Our first reading is from Mark 4, chapters 21 to 32. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put under a bowl or a, or a bed instead? Don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued, with the measure you use. It will be measured to you and even more. Whatever has will be given more. Whatever does not have. Even what they have will be given for them. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seeds on the ground night and day. Wherever he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, all by itself the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he puts a sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of the seeds on earth. Yet we planted it. It grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Amen. Thanks, Carol. And the second reading is Fiona. Our second reading is from Luke 14, verses 12 to 24. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do you do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The parable of the great banquet. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I am on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I have just got married, so I can't come. 
The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Amen. Um, I have to apologise before I speak. I'm not following what we should be doing today, which was about um, Pilate's wife. As we, had to, as we go through Lent, we were preaching on certain things. However, I was led to preach about something else quite a while ago, a few months back. So I'm preaching on that today. So if you're wondering where Pilate's wife is in our talk, she's not here, I'm afraid. It's about kingdom coming. Jesus talked about us, about the kingdom in parables. I want to look first, though, at the second parable, the second uh, reading. So, the second reading again, please. So, the, uh, from Luke 14, 12 to 24. This is the one when Jesus is actually having a meal. He's been invited to a house of the Pharisees who are reasonably trying to sort him out. Certain things take place during this particular meal. There's a person who comes to him, it's a Sabbath day. And somebody's in the room that needs to be healed. And Jesus goes, oh, I'm healing this guy. And then says to the Pharisees, is it not right for me to be ill somebody on Sabbath day? And nobody speaks. And then he goes on and talks about, he looks at the party itself. It's a big banquet. I'll read a little bit out to you. It's before this lot. Jesus is looking round at the room. And people have positioned themselves in the order of priority they think they're in. So to be those at the head of the table. And Jesus notices this thing. He says to them, you know, when you go to a party, don't sit at the head of the table. Because what happens is, when someone more important comes on, you'll be asked by, by, by the party guest, the adults, uh, to move. So instead, sit further away so that he can invite you forward. And then he says to him, he's still talking about meal, but these Pharisees are still listening to him. Still trying to figure out what's being said. He says to them, when you have a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends. 
Because I can force to invite you people. Invite other people. Can you do next one, please? If you do, they may invite you back. And so you'll be repaid. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you'll be blessed. Next line, please. Although they can't repay you, you're repaid at the righteous, resurrection of the righteous. Now, far as this is important, although they can't repay you, they're repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Pharisees believed in resurrection. The Sadducees didn't. Pharisees believed in resurrection. So when Jesus is talking about resurrection to Pharisees, they know exactly what he's talking about. But they believed in resurrection. Of those of the teachers, the Pharisees was the ones who came over, if you like, to become Christians later on because they're very close to it. Then we all know the famous one. This the actual parable. Can you get this parable, please? Well, someone says, blessed is the one who reads at the table, who reads at the feast of the kingdom of God. And then he talks, then Jesus talks about a parable. And we all know the story, don't we? Everybody, all his friends of this, this, of this, this man, not God, is invited to a party. And it's going to be a serious party. And he invites everybody to it. And what happens to all the people he's invited? You know the story? What happens? They don't come. They find various excuses. I've just got married. I've got a bad headache. I've got five yoke of oxen. Sorry, I can't make it. Give my regards. But that's not the first time they're invited. They're invited twice. The invitation goes out. And then... The man says, sends, his, sends his, his servants out to go and round them up. So they've been invited twice. It's a second invitation. They're saying, no, actually, I've got other things to do. And what happens next? Carry on. Yep, all that begins to make excuses. And next one, please. So he goes back and reports it to his master, and his master is not very impressed. So he sells them, go out there in the streets, in the town, in the alleys, bring back all the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And he goes and does that. He says, there's still more room. He says, right, we'll go out into the fields. Yeah, everybody, compel them to come to the house. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. That must have been a bit of an eye-opener to these Pharisees. But what we're impressed with is that he was invited twice to these people, and he wasn't bothering he wasn't going to come. Now, the next slide, please. My slide. Has ever, ever been invited to a banquet that you've not been invited to? Have you ever been invited to a banquet? You ever been to a banquet that you've not been invited to? Not gate crashed. Not quite. Sorry. Yeah, it's gate crashing a little bit, but you actually go to a banquet you've not been invited to. Well, we have, me and Vanda. And it was a big event back in 1988. So, slide, yeah. This is where it was. Right, 
This is jug full of sins, eh? That there's Greece. That there's Turkey. It's in 1988. And where it was is down there, this place called Urimus Ruins. There's ruins there. Right? It's not far from Bodrum. Everybody knows Turkey. It's not far from Bodrum. It's our first holiday in some remote place. 1988 Turkey, believe me, it's different in 1988. Land of Those of you who've got some idea where you may, may think you want to be, that place called Selchuk there, Ephesus is about there. Right? So Ephesus is about there. We're staying down there. This was ruins of the place. The ruins to Zeus. That's the material. We stopped there on the way out. We go into a village to go and technically see how the village life was. Though we always had a few drinks while we was there. And we all came out with a carpet. So it's one of those Turkish trips. Next slide, please. I'll turn this off now, my side. There you are. Google Maps are brilliant, aren't they? And where it was, those ruins there, the next open up there. Yeah, those are ruins. Superb ruins. Built by the Greeks for Zeus. Quite an impressive place. They opened it as we drove past, would you believe? We turned up, drove down that road there. This sleepy, sleepy guy came up to his house, opened it up with his keys, takes the money from the from tour guide and goes back again. That was it. Is that, is that kind of place, you know? It's worth a beaten track. But then we drove to this, to this um, village where we had a few scoops and ate some Turkish food and bought a carpet. And then on our way back, we're driving back up this road again. Until we see, next slide, Patty! <laughs> the driver of this 50-seater coach was going up there and he knew about this party. So tour guy says, is anybody, has anybody booked a room, uh, booked a meal for tonight? He said, no. In which case, the driver's brother, <laughs> right, the driver's brother, his daughter-in-law is getting married. That's what a big, there's a field, wacky big field, full of hundreds of people inside tents and under, under olive trees and all kinds of things. Says no, so if you're not in a rush, come to party. And we thought, up for this, let's go to a party. Next slide. It's a wedding party. She was gorgeous. There she is. It was great. There was hundreds of people there. Next slide. I reckon that's the groom. <laughs> Could well be. Nobody else is wearing a suit. Believe it, it's about 92 degrees in the shade. He's never a dancer, yeah. But it's, it's not like a wedding you normally see in the UK, is it? They're on the sheets. Um, people have packed the cars and the tractors. <laughs> and everything else. There's hundreds of people there. It's quite an event. One of them got made, man. What was this little girl there? She stood there at this post, just seeing what's going on. And we was told that they, um, they'd be very impressed with all you British tourists turning up. Because it'd be a bit of kudos. British tourists came to Elbenin. 
Can you imagine that now? But just the worst goes to our wedding. Mm. It was a great do. So, that's the banquet we went to that we wasn't actually invited to. Uh, thinking on that, it was a bit difficult. It was a bit embarrassing. We had no idea of the culture. I had no idea who the bride was. She looked pretty. I had no idea who the groom was. I was told that the, um, by one of the Turkish guests that these two have probably been going each out, out with each other for about 10 years. His children. And in the, in the, the, the very way she lived when he made carpets, she'd been making money, making carpets. To put towards her dowry, she should have been about 12. And he's likely to have been doing part-time work and all kinds of stuff since he'd been about 12 himself to go to his dowry. It's not a pre-arranged marriage. Where people save up for what they will be at that age. Whether he still do so, I don't know. But in rural Turkey, that was his plan. I didn't know these people. And I would have felt, I did feel a bit embarrassed. I know what it was going about the place. Yes, we have a bit of a dance, of a party, a bit of true ethnic Turkish food. But it was a bit embarrassing. Now, if you'd have been at that banquet that the man invited, not this one, the one that Jesus is talking about, if you'd have been one of those cripples in the street, or one of those poor, one of those lame, and suddenly found yourself being invited to a banquet. You could say, yes, today I'm going to eat. That would be your first reaction. But you'd be a bit nervous still. You'd be a bit not sure. It's going to take you a while to get into it. This was a big, we've had a big invitation ourselves, haven't we? We have all had a big invitation. Jesus' big invitation was when we was commissioned 2,000 years ago. The invite list is never ending. We was commissioned to go and tell the world about him. And a week or two, a couple of weeks ago, I'd invite myself not to a party this time. Though there was food involved, I did get a biscuit. It was biscuits and coffee. It was for the um, a Die Kingdom Come, a workshop on the world. I've heard about Die Kingdom Come as the prayer coordinator. I thought, I'll go and see what this is about. Will's a long way away. It's an awful drive, right in the head of a storm, and it's night time. My sat nav was played up. Besides that, that was great. Daikin Come is a global prayer event. Global prayer movement. Now in its fourth year. Started up by the, uh, the uh, Church of England. 
It's now ecumenical around the planet. It's a prayer movement that takes place between Ascension and Pentecost. It's 11 days of prayer. Can we have a... Next slide, please. That's what it is. May the 30th, June the 9th. Make note the dates. We'll be doing something during that period of time. And um, there's also those video clips. Now, this guy's seen that spring harvest. You might know him. Can we the next clip, please? There was a great preacher called D.L. Moody who had a hundred friends who didn't know Jesus that he prayed for every day. And when one of them became a Christian, he had just ticked their name off the list. By the time he died, 96 of those hundred had given their lives to Jesus. And at his funeral, the final four also became Christians. There's such power in praying for our friends who don't yet know Jesus. In not just doing it once in a while or when we feel like it, but regularly persevering with discipline. And so I'm going to tie these five knots in this leather strap and wear it to remind myself of just five friends I know who I long to come to know the good news of Jesus. for us as individuals to pray for five people over those 11 days. There's other parts of the campaign which be about all kinds of stuff. Well, you know what? I've got a big pile of stuff here that came from back in come. Huge pack. Turned up, gave me a cup of tea and a pack. And it's probably, I don't know, yesterday when I opened it properly and I go look inside. I looked at your side at first, but you know, like a lot of things, we get things through the post. We get packs of stuff. And we get, we're going to look at that real soon. And we never do. So I'm just going to empty this stuff out here. There's loads and loads of stuff. Look else in there. Oh, we'll be doing some of this stuff. Have a look at these later on, by all means. There's family prayer adventure maps and things. There's various prayer books we can use. There's individual personal guides. All kinds of good stuff. There's also one of these. I saw this in my pack. That pack, two weeks ago. You know what I did? I put it all back in that box to take it out when I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it a bit now. The first person I'm going to pray for. I don't know who the four are yet. But I know who this is. So I'm going to put this on now. And I'm going to pray from now in mind. And I suggest we look into this. We might look at these, uh, this prayer the uh, it's uh, that I can come this year and I'll be talking about meetings and stuff but yeah that's my first one I want to um, look at the second reading please 
the uh, first reading, my mistake. Yeah. And we go through the second one, which is the parable of the seed. He said, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed in the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, then a full grain of the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he puts a sickle to it, because the harvest has come. That really struck me from some of the rest of the stuff we've been Because the other thing I was led to talk about, which is why I want to speak about this, was revival. And this has struck me, this is about revival. Back in September, look at my notes, I was talking about the news of Jen being ordained. And the sinner discussing the possibility of Birchwood gaining an SEM. And talked of exciting times that are possibly just on the horizon. And in less than three months' time, Stuart will be ordained as Birchwood's SEM. I think it's entirely possible that the corn stalks are just below the surface. Because of that seed, the man's done nothing. The seed's been sown. The soil is doing it all. Whether he sleeps or whether he's awake, doesn't matter. God's doing things. So I feel that I can see, you know, maybe stalks are just below the horizon there. So I've been doing quite a bit of reading on revival. I'm particularly taken by a piece read by J. John. Back in May 2016. I'm not going to worry, don't worry about it. I'm not going to quote it all because we've got time to do other things. But his definition was authentic revival is when men and women have extraordinary experience. Look at the next slide, please. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Revival. Authentic revival is when men and women have extraordinary experience of God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. That either revigorates an existing faith or brings them to faith. Revival is a gift from God. What we can't do, we can't plan one. What we can't do, we can't develop one. What we can't do, we can't control one. It happens because God wants it to happen. It happens because God thinks it's time. It might not be time. It's a divine gift. Given to help bring others into the kingdom. Given to help spread the invitation. And to affirm Christians of our faith. We can't make it happen. It's like the corn. The stalk will first grow, then the air, then the full grain of air, and only God gives us this. But we can pray at home and here 
and pray for revival here in this church, revival in our community, and revival across the planet. But we can pray for it. This way, we'll be ready for the harvest. I'm going to finish the quote from uh, J. John on persistence. This is straight from this passage. I think it's quite useful stuff about why we must persist in this. Sadly, history is full of churches and individuals who, having decided that revival is vital, then go to sleep waiting for God to act. While we wait and pray expressively, Let's get on with today, the day-to-day task of preaching the gospel, living it out in our lives. God visits revival in churches that are standing up or on their knees, but not those that are sitting down. Got to start. Next slide. Yeah. Let's start working on those party invitations. Let us show and tell the good news with everything we do. There's plenty of room at his table. The venue is more than big enough. Thank you.